What a good crowd. <laughs> well, praise God for all of, uh, all of those children uh, and for the workers that are working with them today. So, well, thank you for joining us. It is such a, a joy to uh, see you all. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. We're continuing our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke. Last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus and the, and the recording of his genealogy, uh, his ancestors. Uh, and we looked, as we examined kind of the sonship of Jesus, we looked at that from the standpoint of uh, him being God's son and then him being the fulfillment of the promises that were given uh, throughout his genealogy to some of those individuals. Um, today, the text addresses temptation. Each one of this, this is something that we face, right, in our lives. The temptation to sin, the temptation to go against God's will for our lives. And, of course, the bad news for us is that every one of us has failed. Every one of us has missed the mark. Every one of us has rebelled against God and continues to rebel against God in areas in our lives. But this text is a text of really good news for us. This text is reminding us that we have a Savior who was faithful. We have a Savior who was tempted like us in every way, and yet He remained faithful to God throughout it all. And that is really important news for us. Uh, that's life-changing for us. I've titled my sermon, The Temptation of Jesus. I'm going to read the text from Luke 4, verses 1 through 13, and then pray for us. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For forty days to be tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Let's pray. Father, your word is good and true. And what good news for us today that we have a faithful Savior, that Jesus was faithful, 
where we've been unfaithful. I pray that as we look at the truths from your word that uh, it will shape our lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give us a sense of awe and wonder for our Savior uh, and that our lives will be changed because of it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we start this, before we get into the kind of main points of the text, I do want us to look at these first two points just to bring out some details for us to keep in mind as we consider the temptation of Jesus. Uh, so let's look at verses 1 and 2 back in Luke 4. And we see this. Then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. So the first thing I want us to to keep in mind, and I do think it is valuable for us to keep in mind when we consider our own temptation, is uh, how... Jesus faced temptation, how he endured temptation and remained faithful. And the first of those things is that he was led by the Spirit of God, right? We saw this, I told you last week, that the the genealogy and the baptism of Jesus was located in, it was placed in this part of the narrative. Even though Jesus is 30 years old, Luke, led by the Spirit of God, has a specific purpose of having Jesus declared by the Father as God the Son and then showing that he's a fulfillment of all these promises that were given to his ancestors. And in that story, we see that as he is starting his ministry, when he is baptized, he is filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit descended on him at his baptism. And that is one of the ways that Jesus faced temptation in his life was being led by the Spirit of God, by letting the Spirit of God help him withstand temptation. And that is true for us as believers. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And as we are facing temptation, we should face it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what we need. We don't need the just like, hey, I'm going to try harder this time because we're going to continue to fail. But if we have the Spirit of God working in us, we can face temptation. And then the second thing that's really important for us to keep in mind is that Jesus used Scripture throughout the temptations. As we work through the remainder of the text, we'll see Jesus is quoting Scripture, saying, this is what God says. This is what matters. Not this temptation, but this is what the Word of the Lord says. And so that, too, is important for us to know God's Word, to know God's will, and use that as we are facing temptation. But that's not the main point of the text. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because the main point of the text is to say, look at Jesus. Look how faithful Jesus was. Look that he endured all of this for you. And so that's what we're going to be doing as we work our way through this. The other thing I do want to point out before we get to the main points is 
This is one of those texts that when we consider the divinity of Jesus, right, that he was God, God the Son, uh, but also he was man, uh, he was fully man and fully God. Sometimes when we consider this reality that Jesus was tempted like us, we almost or we tend to kind of dismiss it as not being that big of a deal because he's God. Of course, he could withstand the temptation, but we don't want to dismiss his humanity. The temptations that he faces here are real. They are felt temptations. If they weren't real and if it wasn't a felt temptation to cave into going against God's will, it wouldn't matter for us. That Jesus was faithful. He had to remain faithful when the temptation was real to go against God's will. And so let's, we don't want to, to dismiss his divinity. He was still God the Son. But as a man, he truly faced the temptation to go against God's will. And so let's keep that in mind that they were real. I mean, just think... From the human standpoint of the first temptation, turn this stone into bread. And that temptation is when he has fasted for 40 days. As a man, his body would be screaming out for food, right? So it was a felt temptation. So keep that in mind as we think about Jesus' faithfulness to all of the temptations that he faced. The first point from our text that we're going to see here is this. Jesus was faithful to do nothing out of God's will. Jesus was faithful to do nothing out of God's will. Let's look at verses 3 through 4 in Luke 4. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. Now the Father, we, we referenced already, and if you were here uh, when we looked at the baptism of Jesus, we know the Father has already declared at Jesus' baptism, You're my beloved Son. Right? God the Father declared it from heaven. This is my Son. And so here, Satan starts his temptation with essentially kind of a, a, hey, why don't you prove it? If you're really the Son of God, show us. Prove it to the people that you're God's Son. And so he tells him, take this stone, right? You're, You're hungry. You've been without food for 40 days. Just say... To this stone, become bread. And if you really are God's son, it's going to become bread for you. And you will have nourishment. And your body won't feel this pain anymore. And so, Satan is saying, let's just say that's true. Why don't you prove that you really are God's son? Now, this temptation for food... Food's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Food's a necessary thing for our bodies. 
So we would think, well, why would this be so bad? Jesus has fasted for 40 days. Why would this be bad for him to tell the stone to become bread so that he could have food? It's not a bad thing. However, even a good thing, even a a necessary thing, what, what Jesus demonstrates, even a good thing, if it is outside of God's will at the moment, it is wrong. As a man, he needed food, but if it was not God's will for him to have food in that moment, Jesus says, That's, I'm not going to step out of God's will here. He's going to remain faithful because he knows if the Father wants me to have food, he will either tell me to make the stone bread or he will provide it. And I don't have to step out of his will. I can just follow what his will and trust him with this. And so we see here the first temptation. Jesus combats it with Scripture. And so he quotes from Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So Jesus, quoting back from Deuteronomy, the the second law, uh, when the people have been given the law again, Say, this is what God's will is for you. And in this verse, it says, man, like all of this stuff that happened to you, Israel, God was using to tell you it's not just about keeping your body going. God has a plan for you, which includes you listening to him and his will, depending on his word for your life. That's where true life comes from, is following every word of the Lord, not just sustaining your life. And so Jesus quotes the first part of that. Man does not live by bread alone. Jesus lives this out. Even in the the heat of temptation where his body would be convulsing. Uh, One of the commentaries I read this week talked about the, the 40 days without food, every fiber of his being would be screaming, yes, do it, turn it into bread. Uh, and so Jesus, even though his body would be feeling the effects, says, I'm not going to cave to that temptation. I will stick with God's will for my life right now. Even though it hurts, I will do what God's will is. He was faithful to do nothing out of God's will. And that's completely unlike us, church. That's not how we operate. We justify. We think, well, this can't be that bad. This can't be that bad. Surely God would want me to have this. Surely God would want me to be happy. Surely God would want me to do what I need here And so we justify and we question, why would this be that bad of a thing? It can't be that bad. And we cave to temptation time after time. We pursue them out of step from God's will for our lives. But where we have been unfaithful, Jesus was completely faithful. And that's good news for us today. 
The second truth from this text is this. Jesus was faithful to do nothing out of God's timing. Jesus was faithful to do nothing out of God's timing. We're going to look back at Luke 4, verses 5 through 8. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me. And I can give it to anyone that I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and says, this this can all be yours. The splendor, the majesty, the authority over it all, this can be yours. All you have to do is bow down to me. One small act and you can have all the glory of ruling everything in this world. Now I want us to remember who Satan's talking to. He's talking to the creator of all things. He's talking to the one who made all things and all things were made for him. He was talking to Jesus who is the rightful king who will one day return and rule over everything. Jesus deserves the splendor. Jesus deserves the glory. He deserves to rule over everything and one day we'll have all of those things. However, the offer from Satan is out of God's timing. The offer of Satan is like, you can take the easy road. You don't have to face the hard stuff that's ahead. You don't have to face the rejection that's coming. You don't have to face the cross. All you have to do is bow down to me and I will give you control of everything. But Jesus was not going to take the fast track. Jesus was not going to take the easy road because salvation is on the line, right? Forgiveness of sins is on the line. If he takes claim of what is rightfully his at this point, there's no choice for, there's no opportunity for us to be forgiven for our sins because he wouldn't have sacrificed himself for our place. Satan is telling Jesus, you don't have to suffer. You can take the easy road. And so the question is, if this is for, if Jesus is going to have all of these things, why would it be wrong for him to speed it up? And it's out of God's timing. It's not fulfilling what God wants to have happen. So he can't take the fast road. He can't take the easy route. God's timing is perfect. And his plan is perfect. And for Jesus, that included him enduring rejection and enduring the cross for us. And again here we see Jesus 
combats the temptation with the Word of God. So again from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 to 14. Fear the Lord your God. Worship Him and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. Fear God. Worship only God. You don't worship another God. And so Jesus quotes this scripture and says, I'm only to bow to the Father. I'm only to worship God. I will not cave and worship you for just a moment in order to make things easier for me. Jesus was faithful to that command. And just like the first truth, the reality is this is not how we often respond. It's completely unlike us, right? Our, our hearts are drawn to worship so many things in this world. Uh, and sometimes they're even really good things. They may start out as something good, but when we place it in the place of God and it becomes an idol for us, it is worshiping something other than God. And our hearts are constantly drawn to that. I think John Calvin uses the language that our, our hearts are idol factories, right? We're constantly producing things to worship other than God. Now, it may not look like worshiping an actual idol, but we're constantly putting things before the worship of God. And that is idolatry. And then in addition to that, we also seek the fast track, right? We want things quick. We want things easy. We want life hacks for everything, and that includes our spiritual life. And Jesus says, I'm not having it. I will not speed things up just so I don't have to go through hard things. And I will not bow and worship to anyone other than the Father. Even though it's rightfully His, He will not cave to this temptation. The third point from the text is this. Jesus was faithful to do nothing to test God. Jesus was faithful to do nothing to test God. Let's look at verses 9 through 12 in Luke 4. So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give His angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. Every temptation... Jesus continues to come back with God's Word. Here, we see something unique. Now, Satan starts by again calling into, the, calling into question, if you're really God's Son, prove it. Right? Prove it if you really are His Son. But what's unique in this temptation is Satan quotes Scripture to, to Jesus. He takes a promise from God's Word that was given to protect God's faithful children and says, Hey, 
Like, prove that you're son, the Son of God and, and trust God enough to fulfill His promise. Right? You can throw yourself off of the temple. And they believe that this would have been on the side of the temple that is overlooking a 450-foot drop. Guaranteed death if someone jumps from there. And he says, look, prove it. Prove that you're his son. You're clearly faithful. And God has promised that if you are faithful, he's going to protect you. He will make sure that his angels keep you from harm. And so prove it to us. And Jesus, of course, realizes. He sees straight through this. This is not the way that we are supposed to take the promises of God and put him to a test uh, and say, God, do this for me because your word says that you're going to. And the temptation, of course, for him of proving that he really is God's son. Remember, this is at the beginning of his ministry. He hasn't done anything yet. He was just baptized and then went into the wilderness. Talk about a jump start to your ministry. Diving off a 450 foot drop and God miraculously sending angels to keep him safe. That would have made people like, wow, look at this guy. We need to follow him. We need to pay attention to him. That would have been a jump start to Jesus' ministry. That's the temptation side of it. The reality is, of course, that's putting God to a test. And that's not the way that we are supposed to look at the promises of God. And so again from Deuteronomy, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested Him at Massah. Do not test the Lord. Don't test God. Jesus recognizes this is not trusting in the Lord by claiming a promise and then just jumping off and saying, God, I need you to catch me. That is not trusting God's promises. Trusting is walking faithful and just saying, I'm, I know that you are going to keep me in the way that you want to keep me. So this would be testing God, not trusting Him. And Jesus was faithful. He would not put God to the test. And so this too is, is completely unlike us, right? We test God often. Now, we may not test God in the sense of like, I'm going to do something that is going to require a miracle to save my life. We may not throw ourselves off of a building and say, God, I want you to prove that you care for me. But we do test him often and we oftentimes will take the promises of God's words and use them to justify our decisions without ever asking God, God, is this what you want from me? We slap a Bible verse on it, say this is a promise of God, so I'm walking into this promise and that's how I'm going to I'm going to have this blessed life because of this promise of God. And we never pause and say, God, do you want this for me? Do you want this for me right now? Jesus would not test God. He's going to trust Him. 
the last point from this text is this, which kind of ties all of this together. Jesus was faithful in all the ways that we have been unfaithful. Jesus was faithful in all the ways that we have been unfaithful. And when I said this message is, a, is good news for us, this is the good news, that he was faithful in every way. So let's look at verse 13, back in Luke 4. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Every temptation, Jesus was faithful and the temptations were not over, right? This was not just a, a one-time incident where the Satan tried to throw a few things at him. Jesus endured them and then Satan was done with him, right? It says the, that the devil left him for a time. There will be other temptations that come throughout the remainder of his ministry. And there were temptations that he faced before the start of his ministry, surely, And yet Jesus was faithful in all of them. Now, there's a couple of Old Testament references in this kind of section of Scripture that's kind of pointing out the uniqueness of our Savior. Uh, one of those references is back to Adam, which is why uh, we believe that Luke included the genealogy all the way back to Adam right before this section of Scripture is to bring to mind... Adam was unfaithful. All of humanity has been unfaithful. And so we see the uniqueness of Jesus here. Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden in Genesis 3, they were in paradise. They were in a perfect setting. They had one rule. Don't eat the fruit from this one tree. That's all. They had the most wonderful life before them. And yet, they sinned. They caved to temptation. Jesus is in a wilderness. The region that he was wandering in for these 40 days, the name in Hebrew means the desolation. It was a wasteland. He was not in paradise. And he was starving. 40 days of fasting without food. His body convulsing. And yet, even in that, in the hardest of circumstances, Jesus was faithful where Adam had been unfaithful and where all of humanity had been unfaithful. The other Old Testament references pointing back to Israel. Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. That's the, the 40 days of Jesus wandering before this temptation is connecting us back to that story. Israel, for 40 years, people grumbled against God. They put God to the test. They complained. They said, why did we come out here? Why weren't we back in Egypt? The people continuously failed and gave in to temptation in the wilderness. And Jesus... Here, where Israel had been unfaithful, Jesus was completely faithful. Adam failed. Israel failed. All of humanity failed. And we have really good news today because Jesus was faithful for us. And we can cling to that. Let's look at the promise 
from Hebrews. We talked about this last week in Gentle and Lowly. I love the uh, reminders from these verses. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. The, the author of Hebrews wants to make it clear. It's really important for us that the Savior was faithful in all the ways that we have been unfaithful. And so, Hebrews 4, verse 15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. He was tempted in every way. Every temptation that we face, Jesus was tempted in every way, and yet He remained faithful. He was without sin. He never once sinned. And they were real temptations. They were felt temptations. And so the author of Hebrews here is saying, Jesus understands you. He understands what you're facing. He understands what it's like to want to do something outside of God's will, outside of God's timing. And yet He was faithful for you. And then He uses the reality here. The author of Hebrews uses the the reality that because that's true, then our response can be when we're facing temptation is to run to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. God, you've been faithful. Jesus, you were faithful where I couldn't be. And then there's a promise that if we will approach the throne of grace with boldness, the end of verse 16 says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can run to Jesus when we face temptation because we still will. We will face temptation today. We will face temptation tomorrow. We will face temptation the rest of this life. And yet we can run to our Savior, cling to His faithfulness in our place, and say, God, I I need you to help me. I can't endure this temptation on my own. I'm going to cave again. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus was faithful, I can fight this temptation. And we have the promise that we will receive mercy from God. We will receive grace from God to help us while we fight temptation. Jesus was faithful in all of the ways that we have been unfaithful. And that's good news for us. Now, if you have not trusted in Jesus for salvation yet, if you have not believed in Him for the forgiveness of your sins, we want you to know That God loves you and He sent His Son to die for you. Jesus lived a perfectly obedient life. Never sinned. And then He died in our place so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be forgiven of our sins and adopted as children of God and be promised eternal life. And so we want to share that good news with you some more. We'd love to be able to talk with you about what it means to receive Christ, to receive the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. 
and the good news of the gospel. So it, schedule a time to talk with one of the leaders. You can schedule a meeting with me. You can schedule a meeting with one of our other elders or ministry leaders and say, I just want to know more about what it means to trust in, in Jesus. But for us, church, this is the most wonderful news that Jesus was faithful in every way that we have been unfaithful. And this passage is a reminder that he stood in our place. We don't have a Savior from heaven that doesn't understand. He came and stood in our place and remained faithful for us, facing temptation and enduring it. So let's believe in him. Let's cling to him and his faithfulness. He understands us. Jesus understands what you're facing today. He understands what you've gone through. And He remained faithful for us. So we can run to Him. We can cling to His faithfulness. And we can say, God, give me the strength while I continue to fight the temptations that I'm facing. What a precious Savior we have. Let's pray. God, you are so good to us. We thank you that you sent Jesus for us. Jesus, we thank you that you were faithful in our place. God, help us recognize sins in our lives, maybe ones that we have become comfortable with, we don't think much about. Help us recognize those. Help us fight those through the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of your word. And help us cling to the faithfulness of our Savior Jesus while we confess the reality of the sins that we, um, that we have caved to. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, we have quite a few guests today. If you're a guest that has never, uh, never visited Dogwood, we'd love to have a record of your attendance. We'd love to be able to reach out to you and let you know. Just ask if there's any way we can be ministering to you. Uh, so you could fill out, uh, if you didn't fill out one of our uh, guest information cards at the information desk. You could stop by on your way out and fill one of those out. Or you could just fill out one of those, the information part of the response cards on the, in front of you. Uh, and we will be in touch with you to, to thank you for joining us and to ask if there's any needs that you have. We have a few announcements before we dismiss. I'm going to have uh, my wife, Sarah Grace, come up. She's going to share some. Uh, we've got quite a few things going on in the women's ministry. And so she's going to share some of those details. And then Chris is going to talk to us. And then I will uh, close us out with a few more announcements. Hello. Um, first of all, uh, if you are um, if you are a member here or your guest here, and you do not follow our um, Dogwood Women's Ministry Facebook page, um, I would encourage you to get on Facebook if you're on there and like our page because we have um, this is where we communicate most of what's going on in our women's ministry. So up on the screen, you'll see this is what it looks like, Dogwood Women's Ministry. You can just request to join. We'll accept your request, I promise. Um, so if you're, not, if you're not already on there, please join our Facebook page so you can kind of stay up to date with what's going on. Um, we have a few events coming up. 
Uh, this Friday, the, 11th, the 11th, this Friday, we're having a Galentine's Day dinner. Galentine's Day is a made-up holiday. Um, <laughs> I think Leslie Nope made that up. Um, from Parks and Rec, uh, and this is just a um, time to get together with your girlfriends around Valentine's Day to just celebrate and honor your friendships. So we are doing that here. We're having um, a dinner at 6 on Friday. Um, bring your favorite appetizer, snack, dessert, whatever to share, and come. We won't do anything weird. It'll be fun. We promise. So please come. Bring your friends. Um, and then this is a big thing. If Chris mentioned this last week, if gathering is a women's conference, um, this event is happening live in Dallas, March 4th and 5th. Um, but the, um, their heart, the heart of the if gathering is um, for women all over the world to be able to participate and experience if. And so they have what is called if locals. And we are hosting an if local March 5th, March 4th and 5th here. And um, what that is, is we are live streaming the event that's happening in Dallas, but we're doing it here. So um, the purpose of the IF gathering is that any woman who is um, participating in this, who comes, that they um, learn that they are created to be known, to be loved, to be like Christ, to know God, to know the truth, and to know themselves, and to give away, to give away Jesus, to give away themselves, to give away everything we have in honor of our precious Savior. Um, and so we want you to come to this event. This is a two-day event. It's a Friday evening and Saturday all day. Um, you um, can register at if um, if 2002. I'm sorry, if 2022. Dot com. Um, we also have on our ladies Facebook page a post going out that has a direct link for you to register for this. Anyone who comes has to register online and pay for a ticket. The tickets are $19. Um, so you have to register online to come. You can do that through the website. You can do it through the link on our Facebook page. You can come see me and you can scan a QR code off of my phone that takes you directly to the site. Um, or you can see me or Mickey and we can help you on a computer get registered for that. But we are really encouraging all of you, all women, it's for ages 14 and older. Um, please come participate, invite your friends, share this post on Facebook. We want as many people in this area um, who can to come to this. Um, we are on, um, when you click the link on the Facebook page, it will take you to a registration page that comes up on um IF's website, and uh, anyone who anyone can go on the site and search for an IF local in our area, and Dogwood Church comes up as a host. So our hope is to bring in lots and lots of women from all over this area to participate in IF gathering. Um, so that's March 4th and 5th um, in a few weeks. And then also at the end of March, we are having our um, spring retreat in Broken Bow, um, there's a sign-up sheet outside, and there'll be more information coming about that soon. But um, if you'd like to go to that, that's March 25th through the 27th, um, and you can sign up on the sheet out in the foyer. Give uh, Chris the microphone. Chris has an announcement about uh, Sunday school and an upcoming event. Hello. Okay, who knows what's going on next Sunday evening? Anybody? Super Bowl. Woo! Super Bowl next Sunday evening is Super Bowl. So um, Ashley and Nick have um, been so gracious to open their home and host 
a Super Bowl party. Okay, so um, if you have ever been to our Sunday school class, if you have thought about coming to our super, our Sunday school class, or if you hadn't thought about it but should have thought about it, then you can come. Um, so it's next uh, Sunday evening, and um, there'll be details about that there. So you can bring finger foods, drinks will be provided, um, and you guys are all welcome to come. And I uh, just want to put a plug in for Sunday school. Um, Arnold, raise your hand. Okay, we have two adult Sunday school classes. Arnold has a class back in the fellowship hall, and my class meets at the end of this hallway on the left. Um, so I know that there's a lot of new faces here. So we do have adult Sunday school, and you guys are all welcome uh, to attend. We're going through Mark, um, and so we're in Chapter 12 right now, and so uh, you're welcome to come. It's at 9.15. Um, Arnold, what are you all doing? Arnold's in Romans. Um, so uh, anyway, just want to put a plug in for Sunday school. And women's Sunday school class, yeah, sorry. Um, and the women's Sunday school is at the end of the hall um, before you get to the, the fellowship hall uh, down there, okay? And that's our class meets at 915, and um, we have donuts too, right? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I do have just a couple more. I know that we've got a lot of announcements today. We just want to remind you of a few other things, and I'll